Hello, I'm Patrick Chavis, and you are listening to LA Theater Bites, and I am here with Georgina Feist. She is the CEO of Real Art Daily Productions, and they are putting on a show called No Exit, uh, March 16th through April 8th. So, um, hi, Georgina. Glad to have you on um, on uh, air with us today. How are you hi, doing Patrick. today? Hey. Thank you very much hi. for having me. Of course, of course. Can you tell us a little bit about no exit. What's what's the basic uh, concept with this show? It has something to do with I I glanced at it a little bit. Something to do with existentialism, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, if maybe you could uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Sure, sure, sure. It's um it's uh, an existentialist one act play written by Jean Paul Sartre. Um, it was written in 1944. It's actually um his I mean, different people have different opinions, but from what I understand, it's his most popular play. Um, and it's about three characters that have died and gone to hell. Um, and they're there for eternity. There's no exit. Um, it really, it was written post-World War II. And Jean-Paul Sartre was a philosophy uh, a philosopher uh, and an existentialist and a playwright. And um, I would say one of the things that drew me to this play is this aspect of these, you know, social customs that we follow, these these masks we put on, these acts we put on for other people. And, and, um, and throughout the play, um, it's really kind of a self-discovery for these characters as to what's really causing their torture and their, their real pain. And, um, and uh, you know, I guess kind of breaking through those, those uh, the armor of those lies that, that these characters have brought in with them about themselves. Um, so I would say that's kind of the, the gist of the play. Uh, Yella Rosenfeld is an amazing director. We brought her on board, um, and she's brought a new vision to this play because this, this, it was, it was written during, um, you know, the absurdist plays, the time of the absurdist plays. So there's a lot of humor in it. But it's also, you know, got a lot of dark, you know, it's a lot of heavy drama, too. And I would say that most productions of No Exit have been done, um, you know, with a lot of the heavy drama. And Yella's really been able to bring the comedy out, um, you know, the, the absurdity of these characters and the dances that they're playing. And, um, you know, she's... She's really um, kind of taken a, a refreshing take on this on this play that's been done so many times. It's it's very well known. It's been done in uh, universities a lot for academic reasons because there's tons of monologues, lots of great uh, you know really juicy characters and really juicy um, uh, dialogue and monologue. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's the gist of it. When you guys were deciding different plays, the plays that you should, you know, choose for the season and stuff like that, uh, I, this is a very famous play, but there's a lot of famous plays. Why yeah. Why did you guys decide 
this is the one that's going to work right now in this season. Uh, What was the process behind that? Well, I've had a vision to produce this play for about eight years, in fact. And um, this is the kind of the kickoff production or the inaugural production for Real Art Daily Productions. So um, I knew that I wanted to to produce this and I, and I love the role of Inez who I'm also um, playing as well. And um, so that's kind of been in my heart for a long time. And I've had a vision for this project, which is not just the production, this production of no exit is, I would say phase one of a three phase project, which will be about, it will be spanning about 18 months and uh, after the after this run, I'll be writing an existentialist play uh, as well, a new works play. And then in 2019, we're going to run them together. Uh, we'll run No Exit with the new works um, existentialist play. It's it's also going to be a one act. So so that'll be the premiere um, for the new play. And uh, I really want to go. Um, you know, in a bigger venue with no exit this next time uh, for the, you know, for the third phase of the project. So, yeah, it's kind of the kickoff for our production co- company. And um, and uh, it's a really personal play for me. Uh, I also feel like um, there's a lot of messages in it that are imp- very important right now. Our country is very divided over ideology and um there's so much mm, finger pointing and so much uh pain and suffering happening because of the beliefs people have about other people or the beliefs people have about how they should be or how other people should be and trying to you know assert a certain identity. And um, this play addresses that. This play addresses, really shows us how we're creating our own suffering and how uh, we're creating suffering for others. And if we could just learn to accept who we are and accept who other people are, that we could learn to live in a little more peace and harmony. So there is a social justice message um, or activist message in this production for, for us as well. Do you think that message that you're talking about was in the original text of SART or with this new added version, there's a little bit more of a modern bend towards with, 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 with what you're doing? Well, it, I really wanted to make sure that this production honors SART um, and that, you know, it's, I kind of wanted it to be an homage to him. And so when I brought the uh, yell on as a director, I made it really clear. We aligned on the fact that we were going to be as true to the text as we could um, to keep it in the period that it was written in the 1940s. Um, we have, you know, she has done some, some different things with the set and with the vision that have, um, I don't know if I would say it modernized it, but, um, uh, I, I would say the set's a little bit of a surprise, so I don't want to give that away. 
um, but it's pretty it's pretty cool and pretty artsy. Um, but when Jean Paul Sartre wrote Jean Paul Sartre wrote this, uh, it was post World War II, where they were dealing with um, you know the aftermath of horrific you know, crimes against humanity. And I feel, I don't feel that we're in that place right now, but I feel that things are happening that could escalate and lead in a direction that, that could be pretty frightening. And so, so that's, so I would say that he did, he, I think that that message was in there. I think that his messages in this story is timeless, um, you know, based on where we're at in our evolution. Um, we still have these these foibles as humans. We still have these needs to put on airs for other people. And, um, you know, I like to think that we'd evolved, but, but in some ways, you know, we're still struggling with some of those same basic human um challenges Hmm. well i think a lot of i think a good a good amount of people um probably uh, maybe one of the big issues is a lot maybe a lot of people haven't even heard of sart or even or even heard of his name or even know what existentialism is or anything like that and uh so uh those are those are deep thoughts that were 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 big thoughts back in the day and stuff like that and uh they could be lost on a good majority of people. Uh, a lot of uh, deeper thinking, a lot of uh, thoughts and stuff like that. Um, and whether or not you, um, you know, subscribe to existentialism or Sartre or any philosophy, it's uh, still, uh, in my mind, I think it's uh, when you when you engage with it, it forces you to think. It forces you to think deeper. And if you're thinking deeper, if you're for- actually thinking deeper and looking at things. Uh, uh, even if you don't agree with it, it's I would say that's a win-win. So like, uh, it, which is I think what uh, when I hear about you know uh, you know Sart Sart you're doing a Sart play and stuff like that, and there were uh, and then you know there are other philosophers like um, Albert Camus and you know and stuff like that was also also a playwright and also created plays. Um, it's so interesting that a lot of philosophers. Uh, uh, you know, also playwrights, and they were also mm-hmm. creating material. They were making this, these. Uh, I don't know if I want to use. I don't know if the right word is deep, but they were use. They were writing. Um, at least they were writing plays that had a lot, a lot of thought behind it. Like mm-hmm. thought that could be thought that could be written down into novels, into books. Um, right. And you don't. Um, you don't really see philosophers uh philosophers um doing that anymore like i guess in the uh more now that would be um plays are still going on but um film and stuff like that and television is definitely a medium that expands further and you're it's mm-hmm. narr- the narrative story but um i couldn't name you one philosopher who's a director these days that's directing mm-hmm. movies that's that's directing that's directing plays, um, mm-hmm. like a philosopher. Philosopher at that time, though, there was there were people like that, like mm-hmm. Sartre, like creating mm-hmm. these things. And um, do you have any do you, um, do you have any thoughts on why that is? And uh, and 
maybe maybe we'd be better off um, if more playwright, more philosophers were playwrights, um, writing narrative, uh, creating narratives to reach people easier. Maybe I mean, there's plenty of philosophers writing books. I mean, you go to Barnes and Noble, you can go to the philosophy section. There's plenty of people still writing philosophy books and and thoughts. So these these things are not disappearing. These philosophers are not disappearing. They're they're here, but um, you're not seeing them in movies. You're not seeing them in plays. You're not seeing them mm -hmm. do it like they used to. Um, is that a problem? Is that something? Uh, uh, why is that? Gosh, I, you know, that's a really great, great question. Um, and, you know, theater has always been very political. It's always been a vehicle for social change. I think film also, but theater more so, um, right. you know, <laughs> film has more than just those films that you know mostly the films that you know we see win the oscars and stuff those are the ones that are really making a huge impact on social consciousness um but you're right i i don't you know not that i know of in fact that's something that i would like to research a little bit and and see if there are some um some philosophers that are out there doing some work in theater and film, my guess it would more likely be theater. Maybe they're a little quieter about it. Mm, um, right. Or maybe they don't have the level of, you know, fame or n notoriety that, that the, that Sartre and the other, the other philosopher, you know, playwrights did. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure why that is. But I do know that, you know, one of the things that you were talking about is how it really does make you think um, and that how that is a win-win for everybody. And that's one of the purposes for the company Real Art Daily Productions is to bring, you know, real art that, that does make you think, that not only makes you think, but when you go in there and you leave your day at the door and you immerse yourself in this art that somehow it changes the way you think it gives you new perspectives on life it it uh, helps you understand people that are different than you that you never thought wow I wonder how it would be to live life in those shoes right yeah, and yeah. and that's what opens our hearts up and opens our minds up and i think that's what helps create for me i believe that's what helps create more helps create more compassion you know between us right visually speaking and stuff like that um what can, what what are some things without like i guess any spoilers what can <laughs> someone coming to this show um kind of expect well, it's a small theater. Um, it's a really lovely theater, the Chromaloom. Um, we we shopped many theaters, and there are a lot of great venues in L.A., um, especially up on Theater Row. Um, but I, there, I was really taken by the Chromaloom. It's uh, kind of a small, understated 49-seat theater, and it's um, uh, it's you know it has the tiered seating. And the set is, um, it's kind of a little bit of a different shape. Uh, there's a, it goes out further beyond the proscenium arch where, you know, some monologues or more intimate dialogues can be 
can happen a little closer to the theater, to the audience. I mean, um, as far as the set goes and what, you know, what Yella has in mind, it's, um, we'll just say there, you know, there's three people that are going to have to live in the same room for eternity and there's no way out. Small cast. We're talking about small cast. It's small not a cast, very okay. small cast, and yeah. it, it very, you know, the relate. It's very relationship heavy, um, but uh, so her desire is to make this environment as uncomfortable for these three people as possible, mm-hmm. and as you know, unwarm and inviting as possible, and you know, to kind of give these the characters kind of this claustrophobic environment that they have to live and breathe in, or they're not living anymore, but uh, they have to exist in for eternity. Right. So that creates the challenges for the, for the, you know, for the characters and really raises the stakes. When was the, you, you mentioned that this is something you've been working on for like eight years now. When was the first time you saw the show and, and what production got you so excited about this? Show? Well, I was in a uh, conservatory in Northern California. I went to um, Foothill Theater Arts Conservatory. It's a two-year uh, acting conservatory that covers all aspects of theater. And I was actually playing a show. I did a showcase where I played the, I played Inez. Um, in No Exit, and I think that it, she just l- lived in me. She just <laughs> kind of right. uh, woke me up, and and I I just knew that I someday I wanted to to play this role, and someday I wanted to put this show on and produce it. And um, so the vision's kind of been quietly growing inside of me. Um, so yeah. That's that's where the seed was planted. We're doing some interesting things beyond the show itself. Uh, we're going. We have speakers that are going to speak on uh, topics that are related to the themes of the play. Mm-hmm. One of my goals and intentions is to help educate people. We're, we have uh, philosophy. Uh, couple philosophy professors that are going to speak on Sartre and on existentialism, different topics. Um, we're, we're still working on the, the agenda for speakers. Uh, but one of the characters in the play is an out lesbian, uh, you know, in the period of the 1940s, which is really unusual and Whoa. very refreshing. That was in the, that was in the original play at yeah. that time. Man. Well, Sartre, Sartre was a very open-minded guy, and his wife uh, was very, uh, you know, a strong feminist. Yeah. And so I think he was probably influenced by that as well. Uh, so that was very, I was very impressed with that. Um, so he was very progressive. I mean, when you look at what he's what he's writing about, and uh, there weren't a lot of people, you know, they may have written about a, a character that was struggling with her sexuality uh, in hiding, but this character is just like, this is who I am. And I may have had to go through hell to be who I am, but uh, but this is who I am. And that's, that's very liberating. Um, so 
so I would say number one, uh, we're doing some educational things. We're having, you know, mix and mingles, uh, a mix and mingle after each show. We're having, uh, you know, a half hour before the show is kind of a reception. We really want to help people kind of engage and meet new friends and not have it just be like, Oh, I went to a play. I paid my money. I saw it. I went home. I, I, you know, I want people to have the opportunity to meet new people, to talk, you know, to generate thoughts about, you know, what they heard and what they saw, what they experienced, um, what the speaker had to say. Um, we want the speakers to be able to, you know, for the people that really aren't uh, really deep into philosophy or art to be able to get some food for thought that they may not have had coming into the play. Um, because like you said, it's kind of deep, some deep topics or some deep messages. Um, so I want them to have a deeper experience, uh, than just going to see something. I want them to have that opportunity if they want to learn more about it. We're also going to, um, we've created, uh, the Cafe, uh, de Flores which is uh, was Sartre's favorite cafe. We're kind of creating our concessions around, you know, French French desserts and uh, French food. And uh, we're going to have some kind of thematic beverages um, that relate to the play. And we're even going to be serving Sartre's favorite, uh, favorite dessert, which I won't say what it is mm. you'll have to come to the play to find out <laughs> <laughs> or follow nice. us on facebook yeah so so i think we're providing more than just a play to go see we're providing an experience uh hopefully a memorable experience and something that changes people and helps them you know maybe even make new friends or acquaintances or associates while they're there